This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I'm the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and on the other Skype call, we're doing this from Skype, Pete Blackburn of CBS Sports. Pete, good evening, good afternoon, really. How are you? Yeah, it's basically like good morning uh, <laughs> based on when I wake up. So, uh, no, that's not true. I switched my schedule, and, and now I'm getting up uh, like 7 in the morning, so... This feels like honestly midnight based off of of <laughs> how I usually operate during my summer schedule. What is your summer schedule? What what time are we thinking uh, we get up at that point? Uh, my summer schedule, I, I start work at noon. So mm. I work like noon to eight. And that usually means that I get out of bed around 1130. So it's and I go to bed at like 3 a.m. Okay. It's, uh, it's not a healthy lifestyle. <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad to have like a little bit more normalcy to my life now that I'm, uh, I'm on my NHL schedule. Yeah. I mean, for me being a Ducks fan and being on the East coast, uh, my sleep just gets subtracted a little bit more because the Ducks only play at 10 PM Eastern time. So yeah, it's pretty brutal. I feel, don't they have, do, do they get like 10 30 starts sometimes? Yes, Is that just, just for national games or. I don't know, but I swear they've had eleven o'clock starts. I swear that's happened. Well, every every ten thirty start is actually an eleven o'clock start. Right. It's the worst. Don't like it, especially when the team is as boring as they were last <laughs> year. So it's even more difficult to stay awake and stay alert when um, everybody's injured and they're playing an old style. And the GM has come down to the from the booth to coach the team um, and ruin their draft pick by winning too many games. Um, <laughs> That was that was fun because my whole thing last year was like, oh, Jack Hughes, this could happen and this could solve all their problems. And then they won too many games when Bob Murray uh, fired Carlisle and went down to the to the bench. It was he he was self-sabotaging himself because he was the GM and then he inadvertently won too many games and took them out of even a chance of being in that right. devil's ranger zone. Right. That's like the it's like the ultimate weird flex, but OK. Yeah. Sort of deal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the worst place to be if you're an NHL team. Like if, if you're bad, you want to be so bad that you put yourself in a position to turn it around with a really high draft pick. And there, there just seems to be like a lot of these teams that are committed to being not, not terrible, but certainly not good enough to contend. And it sort of just sticks you in a no man's land where you're stuck in mediocrity. We call that the Red Wings from the last (laughs) 10 years. Yeah, I, I also look at like the Minnesota Wild. I mean, they mm. made the playoffs and stuff, but th- there's never been like a real serious run from the Minnesota Wild. And they kind of seem to be stuck right now in a position where like they're kind of rebuilding, but also going out and spending a bunch of money uh, on, on Matt Zuccarello uh, in free agency for some godforsaken reason. 
I think they should fire their GM more often. Yeah, that's a good point. After free agency. That's yes. always the best idea <laughs> is to let the guy do the draft and then free agency and spend all your money and then say, oh, I don't think this is the right fit and go in a different direction. The Texans direction. did that this year. Like they realized they're, I mean, Bill O'Brien was like, what right. the hell did you leave me? And they just, the offensive line wasn't fixed and it just, it was bad. And they're like, all right, you're out. But it was like, well, the damage has already been done. Right. There's I mean, at least, can... at least to the Wilds credit, they named a new GM yes. and the, the, the Texans were just like, yeah. Let's leave it with these guys. Yeah, we'll figure that shit out yeah, later. Right. That's future Bill O'Brien problem. Present Bill O'Brien, he can handle whatever's going on. Yeah, it's um, it's not great. Um, but I just I love stuff like that where owners you're like, can I? What are you thinking? How did you come to this conclusion? Like, why? I I just I don't understand. And he was like a celebrated hire at the time a year ago. Like it was like, oh, they're they're moving forward. This is an interesting hire for the wild. This is this could be good. And then it's just nope, gone immediately. Right. Yeah. Well, from the stories that I've heard, it, it's it was just like a complete disaster in that front office. And so, if that's the case, why did you? Why did it take so long to yeah. to get there? Like, just say cut your ties after after a, like a clean year and let somebody else take over but the fact that they did after the draft and free agency is crazy yeah it's it's not great um but we'll well that's that's it for wild talk no one came here for minnesota wild talk um on this podcast but what they did come to find out is if pete blackburn thinks the st louis blues are going back to back uh i don't i I think i think they're gonna give themselves a chance i i think they're gonna get in the playoffs I projected them as a wild card. I could see them being, a, you know, the three seed as well. But I think that that division is too tough for them to finish in the uh, in the top two spots. Like I like Nashville. I, I really like Colorado. Um, I even think Dallas is going to be really good. I think Winnipeg is going to take a step back. Um, but that's a, it's a tough central division. And the Blues still have a really good squad, but I have some some concerns like Jordan Bennington. I haven't seen him do it for an extended period of time. It, obviously, he was great and sort of the catalyst for that team last year. But is he capable of doing it on a bigger scale? I mean, this is a guy who's stuck in the AHL uh, until what is his age 24, 25 seasons. So th- there's there's some reason to be concerned there. Uh, but I do think they're going to give themselves a shot. Ultimately, I don't think they get it done. My favorite thing about Jordan Bennington is we have the exact same body and he is a finals champion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, goaltenders, man, if you see them on the streets, they're, most of them aren't going to really blow you away unless it's Henrik Lundqvist. But like most yeah. of these goaltenders, pretty skinny guys, like pretty, pretty uh, like wiry, weird looking guys. Well, hold and... on. I'm not weird looking, Pete. That's a little offensive. Well, you're not a goaltender, are you? That I am not. I'm not. See, there you go. I couldn't be a goaltender like that is definitely one of those positions in sports growing up that if there is ever like being a soccer goalie is just not even close to being as terrifying as a, a hockey goalie. I just there's no way I would ever sign up for it. And also, I get annoyed about putting on all the gear like yeah. I do it once and be like, nope, fuck this. Never doing that again. What are we I, doing here? I have done it exactly once and I was like, <laughs> nope, fuck this. I'm done because I played in like a charity game and they needed a goaltender. And I was like, you know what? How hard could it be? How annoying could it be? I'll be the guy who I'll be like the five and a half foot tall guy who puts on the goalie equipment and just gets shelled. And oh, my God, it is the hardest thing in the world to play goalie. It is almost impossible to move around. The equipment sucks. Uh, It is just a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Who? Why would you want to be a goalie? 
that's got to be something. No kid grows up wanting to be a goalie, right? Like they send you in because you're just not a good skater. But they're like, no, you're gonna you're gonna be a goalie if you want to play. You're gonna be a goalie. There's got to be like a certain personality type right. that is like, I'm I'm gonna be a goalie, and and it's I think it speaks highly that uh, a lot of goaltenders are very very weird people, like the weirdest people you are, will ever meet. Those are the kinds of people that will willingly put themselves in net and uh, and play goaltender 82 times a year or whatever. Yeah, there like there is a personality defect where it's like, yeah, I love things getting hit at me really hard. <laughs> Vulcanized rubber just fired at my face like a hundred miles per hour. Sure, uh, I'll do that's that. That's what for gets me living. on. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, more pressure this season. Um, is it on the Leafs or is it on the Lightning? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I'll uh, I'll say uh, I'll say the Leafs. Okay. Uh, because just because it's Toronto and, you know, obviously they committed all that money to Mitch Marner and they committed all that money to Austin Matthews, committed all that money a year ago to John Tavares. Um, you also look at the fact that that Tyson Berry might be gone after this year. He's got one year left on his deal. Like, I really like that addition on their back end in, in terms of swapping out Jake Gardner for Tyson Berry. But I mean, you only got him. You probably only have him for one year uh, unless Dubis finds a way to kind of finagle that but you know this might be their best shot uh in in like the next two or three years so i think you got to get it done this year and they at least have to win a playoff series if you look at the lightning i think maybe they've got a little bit more chance at you know beyond this year because they've got a lot of their guys locked up long term um but yeah, I, I think there's an immense amount of pressure on both of those teams, especially you know Tampa, given the way that they exited the playoffs last year uh, after a historic season. But I, I'll say Toronto just because there's always a much elevated level of of intensity and pressure when it comes to the, to that city. Well, I think the the nice polite thing to do if you're Boston is to uh, miss the playoffs this year. I disagree. I mean, I, it, I think that's what you have very, to do. If you want Toronto polite, to thrive, but, you need to miss the playoffs. Right. But yeah, uh, I, I sure. But the the last thing in the world that Boston ever wants to do is is do a favor for Toronto. Yeah, I, I hate the playoff format. It's really dumb. I get what they're trying to do with rivalries and everything else. But good God, I don't see how it's good for the league that Toronto gets bounced in the first round. I don't see how it's good for the league or for either one of these fan bases when we're starting the season and on day one like we pretty much know who the Bruins are going to face in the playoffs we pretty much know that it's going to be Bruins Leafs in the first round I I just think that's an extremely bad playoff format if you've got a a pretty good idea of of what the first round matchup is going to look like uh you know what other sport is it like that it's there is none there is none it's crazy and so I I also get what they're trying to do but I also think that that their rivalries can be established naturally. And most rivalries have been established naturally. And if you want to pump the rivalries, change the schedule format. And I've yeah. said that for a while. Like I, I would rather see more divisional games during the regular season. And I don't need to see, you know, the, like every team play the other conference. What is it? Once or twice, twice, maybe uh, I don't need to see that. Uh, I, I want, you know, I can I can live without the Bruins playing like the Anaheim Ducks every single year. Do it like baseball, where you you know you play the other leagues teams 
Uh, you don't have to play every single uh, team in the other division or conference every year. Like split it up, and you know maybe yeah, the one NFL year does this where it's like right, you get certain yeah. divisions each year and right. you rotate. Yeah, I think that's a, a much better way to approach it. You know, up the divisional games and take away some of the interconference matchups, and, and then split those up year by year. Can you imagine if they up the divisional games and they kept the same format? So you just get Leafs Bruins like <laughs> ninety three times a year. Honestly, like as a Bruins fan and elite, and I'm sure Leafs fans might might agree, like those are the games that you get up for the most. So like it would be a kind of a cool experience as a fan, but also I don't want to see you know Senators you know games a bunch of times a year. So I don't know. It it's uh, you know there's not a lot of rivalries that are as good as as the Bruins and Leafs. So you know, it is what it is, but it's very annoying that we already know kind of that they're going to play each other in the postseason. Did the Senators have their pick this year? Ah, uh, they do. They do. Okay, so that's congratulations good. to them. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, I did my season preview and I went team by team and I did like reasons to believe and reasons to doubt for every single team. And my reason to believe for the Senators was, well, at least this year they have their own draft pick when they oh, I thought you were going to say their owner might die this year. Well, I mean, no, I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, he's the worst owner in the league. I'll just say that. Um, that is a bad spot to be in if you're a fan. You hate your owner, and your draft pick capital is in shambles on a bad team. Right. Oh no, on a, not even a bad team. On an absolutely miserable team. Yeah, they need to do some more videos. I think that's more undercover videos that There's, go viral. Their social team is is wonderful. It's the oh best. no, I meant their players. Oh, their, okay. Remember that thing a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. they... <laughs> no, that was last year. Yeah, the Uber, the Uber. Video. Was that last year? It was last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't blame you because it, like, with how many things have gone wrong with that organization over the past year or so, it, that thing seems like it happened five years ago. But yeah, it was last year. Um, and it was them being caught on Uber. And I saw yesterday that the, the Ottawa senators have established a partnership with Lyft for this season. <laughs> so, uh, congratulations to them. Just a, a, an incredible fit. Oh my God. That's great. Um, there you go. Baby steps, Senator fans. There you go. Um, Kako or Hughes, who has a better season? Uh, I think Kako might have the better season just because he's, uh, I think, more positioned to have success immediately. Like, Hughes is a little bit undersized still. Um, he's going to he have to... He looks 12. He absolutely looks 12. Um, he's going to have to run things down the middle. Um, I, I do think that there's a chance that he... I, I, I think he's going to have a good season no matter what because there is a good amount of talent now around him in, in New Jersey. But I think Kako might be more positioned to have immediate success right out of the gate. I love this for the the future. I just I love little things like this. I mean, I love the like the Luca versus Trey stuff. I love when draft pick stuff like this happens in a, in a way where you're like, oh, these two are going to be thinking about each other for the next ten years. Hell like, yeah, yeah. That that I, I is love cool that stuff. For, like Matthews and Line A when that happened, I was like, ooh, this is cool because these guys like Line A was like. I should have been the number one pick. Fuck Austin Matthews. And yeah. I, was, I was like, hell yeah. And their first, their first matchup in their rookie year, it was a great game. And I was like, this is going to be great. Oh, wait, they don't play in the same conference. So we're not going to see too much of them. And it's going to, you won't have to, to worry me. about that with Hughes and Kaka. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think this is very similar, but they play in the same division. And also these are two teams that are like very much 
kind of aligning where they're in a, an accelerated rebuild. Like you, those two teams might have had the best off seasons out of you know any rebuilding team. So it's very very exciting. Um, and it, even just like geographically, they're very close to each other. And it's and yeah, like Connor cool. McDavid on an island in, yes. in Edmonton, just irrelevant. It's, it's such a waste. It's such a disappointment that we're wasting prime years of Connor McDavid in freaking Edmonton. And just the disaster that that organization has been. Well, I guess you're not all in on Dave Tippett um, turning things around. No, but uh, I'm also not in, in on Ken Holland turning things around there either. So anytime you can bring in Ken Holland after 45 years in the NHL, you do it. <laughs> right, and and especially seeing it, what he's done to the Red Wings, like they've had a great run. They had a great run of success for a couple decades um, before this, you know, recent. Fired, it's like bringing in but... Bill Polian to run your team in 2019. Yeah. So I, I, I don't love what's happening in Edmonton. And I did write uh, for CBS Sports this week that I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if uh, like frustrations came to a boiling point this season and Connor McDavid was like, you know what? Screw this. Please trade me. And I don't necessarily would think they do it. No, I don't think so. And, and I don't necessarily think that it would be like a, a genuine trade me. It would be like, hey, trade me, but but really, I'm I'm saying this so that you know that I'm fed up and I'm serious, and please put a good team around me immediately. How many years left does he have in his contract? Is it like six? Because Jesus, it was a it was a long long term deal that he signed. Yeah, eight years for 100 million in 2017. Yeah, so six years left. This was but, his fault. He shouldn't have done that. I mean, I mean how do you money. turn that deal down, though? That's like, true. How do you like, turn it down? And, and they were coming off a year in which they looked like they were on the up. Like, they, people forget a couple of years ago, it was three years ago at this point in two, 2016, where the Oilers made the second round of playoffs, and they were one of the most exciting teams in the playoffs. And they ended up losing to the Ducks, I believe. And I was like, oh, man, but the Oilers are going to be serious. And they committed to just stripping all the pieces, their good pieces, around Connor McDavid away. And it's crazy. It's even crazier when you consider just how great that ownership group is, that they would do something like that. Yes, that's that's true. <laughs> you hate to see it, folks. Um, how will the Blackhawks handle this season? Because I, we were talking like the teams in the Red Wings where they're in this weird purgatory. But like, I, I don't know what to make of the Blackhawks and what they're going to do in 2019-2020. So I th- I think that their their basement is really really low. Like things could go terrible for them this year. But I also like think that there's a significant possibility that things could go pretty well and they could be on the playoff bubble. And uh you know if Alex Nylander looks good, if Dylan Strom continues like that upward trajectory, Alex Dubrincic Obviously, they just signed him, and he's been great for them. So, like, they improved their back end, which was their biggest concern. Like, I think Olimata, he he's not that good, but like you, the bar is set very low for for like improving the Blackhawks defense based off of what we saw last year. I think Calvin DeHaan was a nice add. I think Eric Gustafson will be a, a nice player for them on the back end. So. Uh, yeah, I think that the, things could go okay for them. Like they could be on the bubble, but I also think that the bottom could, could really fall out. So I'm interested to see where they land. Yeah. Cause there's just a lot of intrigue as to what a market like that and just what they would do if the bottom really did fall out and who they would trade and who they would keep and all that kind of stuff. Um, the blue jackets seems like 
they they really went for it last year really went all in and you know at least they got out of the first round that was nice but it seems like the bottom has fallen out there and they're in real trouble for the next couple of years yeah i absolutely agree and and i thought that it was stupid of them to to go for it at the uh at the deadline last year and you know obviously they won the playoff series and you know crazy upset in the first round but I mean, they were they were like on the bubble and sort of they almost didn't even get in. Right. They they got in by two points. And so that's that's insane. And so for them to get in by two points and win a playoff series, like congratulations. That's very, very cool and whatever. But you look at, at, at what they lost. They they not only lost uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky, but they ended up losing, uh, you know, Deshane and Dezingle, who they went in for at the deadline as well. So you gave up assets and then lost those guys. And now you're in a really tough position. And, uh, you know, I think they still do have some nice pieces there. But you're heading into the, the season with a, a starting goaltender who's never finished with a save percentage above 900 and never been a full-time goaltender at the NHL level. So Not great, Bob. <laughs> yeah, right. And so I think that it they, they're in a position this year where I think, you know, every almost every team in the, in the Metro looks solid or like at least competitive. And I think that there's a possibility that the, the Blue Jackets finished dead last. And it's going to be a tough pill to swallow after what happened Fuck. last year. Yeah. Damn. And it's just like, I, I feel bad for teams like that because I think in professional sports now more than ever, it's cool to see teams just be like, fuck it, we're going for it. Right. Because so many teams are just, no, we're good. We'll just hang around. We'll hopefully things will bounce our way, but we're not going to put all of our chips in. So when a team does that and really puts all their chips in and it doesn't work out, you're like, ah, but you know what? I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Columbus, for actually trying. And when it happened last year, I I had like really conflicted feelings about how I should react to them really going for it. Because on like one hand, I think it was a stupid decision in terms of like mortgaging the future of your franchise. Uh, But on the other hand, I give them credit for, for being aggressive and being like, you know what? We we haven't gotten it done. And if these guys, Panarin and Brovsky, are, are going to leave anyway, then let's give it one last kick at the can and see if we can do some damage in the playoffs. Like, I respect that. And I also think that it was a really good thing for the league that they did go for it because, uh, you know, teams are going to look at that and look at them beating in the lightning in the first round and say like well if we're on on the bubble and you know debating whether or not we want to sell or buy i think there's going to be you know sort of a an encouragement now for managers to be aggressive and that's going to lead to exciting trade deadlines so uh it's probably a good thing for the league and a bad thing for the blue jackets what happened last year <sighs> r.i.p blue jackets um <laughs> also get new uniforms because i hate their uniforms and everything about their their look and all of it i i hate it i hate the blue jackets i look co- and- i completely agree it's a it's a bad logo it's bad uniforms what even is the logo it's uh i have no idea honestly i think it's like a, a star a flying star and then like the flag of whatever army so I don't know. It's a very it's stupid shit. logo. And they yeah. need to do a complete rebuild on that front. While you're terrible, this is the perfect time. When you're a terrible rebrand. team, that's when you do stuff like this. Right. Complete that's, rebrand. That's the only way that you can generate excitement is you yes. rebrand. And it's time, Columbus. Rebrand. Do something Because Columbus crew, great look. The yellow and all right. that. I love the Columbus crew look. Do I, do I like, like, the, like the crest look. 
And I think that's sort of like coming back in. Uh, the Panthers did it where they kind of had like, oh, it's another like team a... that needs a serious rebrand. I disagree. I like the Panthers. Oh, God. I like the Panthers uniforms. I think they're pretty nice. How are they not like the Miami Panthers? How are they still the Florida Panthers? Yeah, I mean, they should absolutely get the hell out of Sunrise and move closer yeah. to Miami if they if they can. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know if Miami is necessarily going to support a hockey team, but it, I, I don't think it can. Anytime be Anytime you have worse. an opportunity to be indoors in the cold in Miami, you you do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I uh, you know, I just think that Sunrise clearly isn't working for that team. So find something else to do. Yeah, um, Robert Luongo is not walking through that door. Um, Carolina Hurricanes. I love their their history of either doing everything in one season and then just being they're like the Miami Marlins yes. of hockey where it's like if they get in they're going to be a pain in the ass and they might go all the way. And if they're not, they're just god awful and they do nothing for like 10 years. Are we now looking are we staring down the barrel of another 10 years of the Carolina Hurricanes doing nothing? A lot of people seem to think so. Uh, from what I've seen, it seems to be very polarizing where, you know, you're either in the camp that the Hurricanes are one and done and last year was a flash in the pan and they're going to fade back into irrelevancy this year. But I'm on the other camp. I, I think the Hurricanes are really good and I think that they kind of established a change in direction for that franchise. I, I think that all those guys are buying into Brindamore's philosophy and I think that he's a, a really good coach who can connect with his players. And I also think that they have a really strong roster. Their, de- their defense is stacked. They've got a lot of young forwards who are exciting and took steps, uh, you know, steps towards, uh, you know, development last year. I think Andrei Shvechnikov is 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 going to break out this year. Sebastian Ajo is great. So I honestly I picked them to win the Metro in my season preview. I think they can do it. I think it's it's them and Washington and pretty much everybody else in the, in that division. So. You know, why not? I'm all on board the Hurricanes staying relevant and making some noise again this year. Would you fight Tom Wilson? Absolutely not. Okay. It's a, it's a ridiculous question. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolutely ridiculous question. No way would I ever fight Tom Wilson. Okay. Um, more review changes, good or bad for the league? Uh, like, specifically, what review changes are you, are you talking about? The coach's challenge and expanding that to just a, I, I feel like the game with what they did this offseason, they're just video is going to become a bigger and bigger part of this game. Well, I do like that they're they're adding penalties to every every video challenge. Like if you if you're if you do the coach's challenge and you get it wrong, it's a penalty for your team. I really like that because you, you shouldn't just be challenging things just for the hell of it. Because it slows the game down, it's super annoying, and you know, nobody needs to, the game to be slogged down like that. I'll tell you the the rule that I absolutely hate is the the skate off the blue line offsides. Like it's absolutely infuriating to me that we're zooming in a hundred times on a player's skate that when he's like a few centimeters off the ice, and we're taking back a goal because like that ruins the spirit of the offsides call it's just in place so that teams can't get a completely unfair advantage on entering the zone and if you can't see the offsides by the naked eye or just by looking at it on a replay like the first time around 
then it probably didn't give you that much of an advantage to begin with, and the goal should stand. I absolutely hate the frame-by-frame analysis of offsides, and I think that's what really needs to go. Like That's at the top of the list for for changes that need to be make and made in the rulebook. But I think another rule this year that's going to sneakily kind of annoy people is that helmet rule where if your helmet gets knocked off, you have to either put it back on or head to the bench. Because we saw it last night in day one of the season. Uh, Connor McDavid lost his helmet during a play and had a little bit of trouble getting it back on. And it led to a goal for the Vancouver Canucks. And it led to this like discussion about, you know, there's wiggle room in the language to that rule that says you can play the puck if it's like an immediate play. Like a player should have a reasonable opportunity to make an immediate play on the puck before addressing the helmet, uh, losing his helmet. And Connor McDavid kind of was in that position, but he decided to go for the helmet because he obviously didn't feel comfortable playing the puck with the new rule in, in place. And it led to a goal. So I think there's a lot of gray area there and it's going to lead to a lot of uncertainty and like debate over over this rule book. And I think the last thing the NHL needs is another rule and another like rule uh, sort of determination that leaves room for interpretation because that leads to such annoying discussions where we have no idea what the rule is like the goaltender interference. And then if you want to compare it to the NFL, what's a catch it's we that's, we do not need more of those rules. It is weird because I was watching, I think it was the Lions chiefs game last week where um, I was watching with a Lions fan and Kenny Galladay came down and it was like 10 years ago. It's a clear catch. But I just saw like the ball moving, like just the fact that the ball was moving when he's just lying there on the ground after getting his two feet in. I'm like, oh, they're going to overturn that. That's not a catch. And it's like, I know it is a catch, but like seeing it through the prism of the league office, I'm like, oh, that's that's not a catch anymore. And I think the same kind of stuff you're seeing yeah. at the NHL where you're like, what are we doing? It's everything. It's just too galaxy brainy. Right. Yeah. And and like the, the Galladay catch, I felt I thought was for sure. An incomplete pass, just based on the way that really? the rules. Yeah, yeah, the way the rule is. That's what it right. is. Like, but like in t- there's like- a, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, on my end when it comes to what is a catch in the NFL, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. But I think it's it's very very clear in today's NFL that if you don't, if the ball's moving and you're out of bounds and you're heading out of bounds and you don't have two feet in bounds, and the ball is like in the process of moving on your way to the ground, that's not a catch. You don't have possession. So yeah. Like, I, I get why people would be upset about it, but that's clearly the rule now. So I have more of an issue when, like, the ground breaks up the the, the pass or whatever, and, like, the ball's moving, but, like, a guy still has his arm under under the ball. Like, that's the most annoying thing to me in terms of uncertainty. But this is uh, this is getting a little off topic. We don't need to talk, get into what is a catch in the NFL. <laughs> that's what people come here for is the nfl league office analysis and what is a catch on the nanny michelle preview podcast that's what the people want pete um why are people like kind of high-ish on philadelphia i'm seeing some middle of the road stuff for them and i i don't know it seems kind of surprising that people are like kind of sneakily optimistic on this team yeah i think the roster is okay and i think that they had uh some down years that they might uh correct this year in terms of some of their younger guys especially on defense you know, I, I their forward group is pretty solid, and maybe that's why. And and also maybe Carter Hart because he looked pretty good last year, and now they finally have some stability in net. One would assume, 
but I'm not buying it. I just think that the central or the Metro is, is too good in terms of spreading out talent. Like there's a lot of teams that are going to be competitive, I think. And the flyers just aren't, you know, putting themselves ahead of everybody else, at least in my mind. And I'm not buying their coaching either. Like their coaching staff is a hodgepodge of failed, uh, failed veteran coaches. So, I don't necessarily. I don't. I don't really buy it. I, I think that they could be okay, maybe a bubble team, but I, I'm. I'm not. I think that's probably their ceiling. Good stuff there for the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> just so sad. Everything about the Flyers is just sad to me. Um, and they're in that purgatory now. They're in the Red Wing zone. So shout out to them. Um, last question, then we'll wrap up here. Uh, the Ducks. Is there any chance they're fun this year? Uh. No, probably not. (laughs) Like they could be fun and how bad they are. Like it it could be fun just to see how, how much of a disaster that is. But I really think that the ducks are, they've got some young guys that are worth getting excited about. Like Max Comtois, I think is, is going to be really good. Uh, Troy Terry. But other than that, man. Yeah. Have you seen the coach and his name? Seen the coach and his name? Yes. Dallas Eakins. Uh, yeah. Dallas Eakins. Unbelievable jawline. Very stern. He looks like a Disney villain coach. He looks, am... like, he looks like a Weasley. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I like Dallas Eakins. And I think that he he's like a very candid and upfront coach. And I love that. But he does look like a uh, like. I guess his hair isn't as red as I thought now that I'm looking at pictures, but he does look like a villain. He looks like a killer in Broadchurch season four. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he definitely looks like a killer for sure. I, I don't know. That's the best thing about him right now is that he's like David Tennant's evil twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. This, this sucks. I, I was hoping that we could wrap up on a positive note with the Ducks, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, here here is a positive note for you and, and Ducks fans. Uh, the Kings are going to be worse. I mean, yeah, but they, they won multiple times. They they had their fun. Like, if you're the Kings, you're just like, ah, yeah, it's cool that they suck now, but... Yeah, they, um, they have that trump card. Yeah, where... well, they're like, we were awesome for a long time. <laughs> right. And... and we were awesome when we shouldn't have been awesome. Yeah, yeah that that's true and now they're just they're they're absolute dog crap now like they're gonna be they're gonna i think they're gonna finish second to last this year so uh if you need a silver lining that might be it oh god all right that that brutal um well i'm excited for this 10 p.m uh game tonight uh with the ducks so that's that's gonna be good i think the way the canucks tonight um but yeah great thanks pete Thanks for uh, uplifting the spirits of all of Ducks fans, hoping that this season's not just <laughs> a fucking slog. Um, all right, so what can we uh, what can we check out from you this week um, on CBS Sports? Listen to brunch. What else? Uh, yeah, it, on my CBS coverage, going to keep that going. Um, so if you want to read my stuff, it's at cbssports.com. Brunch is my podcast. It's Listen to Brunch on Twitter. Uh, just search Brunch wherever you get your podcasts. Find that. Uh, I'll be on CBS Sports HQ, uh, which is our 24-hour streaming site or streaming channel online. It's just at cbssports.com. And yeah, that's uh, that's about it. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Let's uh, check in more often during the season. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun. All right. Appreciate you, Pete. Cool. See you later.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe. And your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.